podcast where we watch your favorite indie films and genre television. I'm Lydia and I'm Joseph. Hello. Hello. Your co-hosts for the evening. Aw, Mistress Elvira. Who's Elvira? I've been watching... Can I be Elvira? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> you can be Joe Bob Briggs. Oh my god, I thought you were going to say <laughs> Joe Exotic and I'm like, I am not going to be... <laughs> Joe Exotic. <laughs> no, he didn't host late night movie TV. I mean, he, he could. He absolutely could. Yeah, no, you're right. He's he's wacky enough looking. He'd bring a different tiger in each each, uh, each episode. I would watch that. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. How bad did you feel for the tigers and the Joe Exotic oh, my. thing, though? You don't even want to know. Thing. You don't even want to know the debates we got into. <laughs> no, we like, all loved about... it. Me and my roommates all loved it. Um, we all watched it in, in one night. No, I, I loved it too, but how bad did you feel for those tigers? Yeah, um, no, okay. Controversial opinion alert. Get ready to find me unlikable mm. right from the start. The hot um, take. Spill yeah. the tea. No, okay. Because, you know, it's about, like, veganism arguments and whatnot. And there's, okay, this you know, is, we're going to lose a lot of people right off the bat. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's obviously sad that they are, they treat these tigers terribly and then... You know, the big, big thing being that they euthanize these tigers once they become adults, right? Or that's the accusation. And it's like, yeah, but we kill animals all the time for food. Like, it's, I think we just have this, like, deeper empathy for the cats. Because they're, like, more, more like pets, right? They're more like our, our own animals, which we would never. I would, I would, I would almost say something, I would almost make that argument differently. And I would say we have more empathy for the cats because they're so much closer to, like, a wild animal. Because they are a wild animal. Than what we consider food, which has been mm. so domesticated for, like, centuries at this point. That, like, no human alive remembers what it's like to see wild cattle. You but know? Yeah. Of course, on an emotional level, I did, you know, felt for the cats. Um, it just, you know. I'm always fighting with my intellectual mind, rational mind. Oh my god. Oh god. Sound more like a dick. I can already tell I've become like the most unlikable person in Hollywood. <laughs> it's like, I'm just, I've got to play devil's advocate here. You no, don't well, though. Yeah. Not right now. Just feel bad for the cats. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even vegan, so I really can't even make that argument. Like, ugh. I mean, I do, I do, like, obviously factory farming is problematic. And I do, like, I feel bad for cows and chickens and pigs in factory farms. Like, it's awful. I don't feel bad about eating their meat. I feel bad about the environment in which they are raised. Yes, exactly. That's my exact thing, too. And actually, the, this, you know what? (laughs) We're going to end this conversation here. Yeah, this Um, is, this is just, like, making us both sound like really shitty people. What, uh. What have you watched this week? Or what have you gotten into? Um, 
I've been doing a rewatch of True Blood. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's been my big thing. Um, and I put it on the background, on in the background when I am working. So I've gotten through it really quickly. Um, I don't think I ever watched the seventh season of this show. And, and I'm watching mm. it now and I recognize why I stopped watching it after <laughs> the sixth season ended because it's real bad. Um, but it's kind of nice. I'm seeing it for the first time. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, like beyond that, I haven't really been watching a ton else. I'm trying to think. I've got a I've got a hot topic to go after that though. Okay, well, okay. go go. Yeah. Do your thing. So okay, so because you're saying like seven seasons a mess, right? But you love True Blood, right? Yeah, I mean the whole show is kind of a mess, right? But but, but it got of the it started seasons, getting too. bad. It started getting bad after the fifth season. Like the six seasons are so. Great. What do you the seven seasons? Are yeah. Really what bad. do you think? The, you know, this is this is a tough question, but it's like, what do you think the relationship between, like, a show that has, let's say, really extra strong seasons one through four, but then seasons five, six, and seven are terrible? Money. Um, <laughs> and it's like, can you still say that you totally love that show? Or, like, do you, do you have to be like, no, I have to think of the show as a whole, and as a whole, it's, like, mediocre. Because it has bad seasons and good seasons. I mean, for a long-running television series there's always going to be bad seasons or bad moments or bad episodes or whatever like it's always there's it's gonna ebb and flow um because writers change directors change new characters come in old characters leave so there's always going like it's always gonna be imperfect with true blood i would say like overall i I, like i wouldn't say it's a great show ultimately because i don't think the writing's that great like i've read all of the books the books aren't that great Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought like seasons one through five were wholly entertaining, even though there were imperfections in it. Like it wasn't an amazing, like blow the doors off the best on television. It was an entertaining show. It was fun to watch. Season six was a little rocky and season seven is rough, but overall it is an entertaining show. So in that regard, I would consider it good. But for stronger television than that, that starts off just so, like, so well written, so well thought out. Um, when it takes a dip, it's it's a lot harder. It's a lot more noticeable. You know what I mean? Like with Game of Thrones, where yeah. so much of it is so strong and then that last season is so bad, it really does sort of taint your feelings about everything leading up to that season. Well, and I think what it comes down to is, and I was going to mention Game of Thrones as well, is the... This is a perfect example. Well, well, and it's perfect because the last season is connected to all the previous seasons in a deep way. Yeah. And that's what makes it retroactively harm those seasons. Yeah. Right? Whereas I feel like a more episodic or even seasonally arced show, right, where each seasonal arc doesn't necessarily matter that much to the next one. Right. I think you can kind of just be like, yeah, it had a great four season run. And then like, you know, you get bored of it and that's fine. You know, I think a good I example think... of that is um, Supernatural, which we've talked about before, See, right? Where I can totally I... love my the first five seasons and I don't have to think about the later ones. I almost disagree with you on True Blood. Do um, I do. Or Supernatural, sorry, yeah. I I do love those first five seasons, and I think they're so, so great. But that show was originally only supposed to be five seasons. It was supposed to end after season five. 
Um, mm-hmm. And that was the full story arc because all of those seasons are connected. True. Yeah. So it maybe isn't the best example. The whole was a full story and it ended at season five. And then they just like did anything and everything that they could to keep the series going because it had so many fans and it was bringing in so much money and doing anything and everything you can when a story really has ended for all intents and purposes means it's going to be pretty shitty. And that did kind of taint the show for me in a lot of ways because like that whole overarching story from season one to five was very strong and it was very well thought out um, and it was well acted. And then it just got goofier and goofier and goofier from there. And it was literally just fan service. Um, So it was really disappointing to see something that was like a primetime TV show on something like CW Network that actually was like a strong show and it was relatively well written for the genre it was written for turn into like glorified Riverdale. Oh my God. Poor Riverdale fans. Um, I mean, I like Riverdale, but it's dumb. It's a dumb show. um, (laughs) I thought, yeah, I thought maybe I could say a little bit about what we're trying to do with this show since this will probably be our first episode. That's probably a good idea. Yeah, so um, we're longtime friends, and uh, we both love sort of, you know, movies that, let's say you're, you know, you're surfing through Netflix, and you're trying to argue amongst friends. They're movies and stuff that at least one of your friends isn't going to like, but a lot of you would want to watch them. Like, cool, independent stuff, interesting horror movies, just stuff that isn't totally, like, um, blockbuster for everyone but is still, you know, in the the public eye. And so we love that stuff. And we just, we've been watching what a movie or a show like every week for, you know, a couple years now, probably maybe a little bit less. Yeah. Like with, with some breaks in between, depending on how busy we are and stuff, but generally. And so basically the thought of the show is just, we have cool conversations uh, before and during the movies. And so we thought we'd record those conversations and us watching the movie continuing to talk and reacting to the movie itself and that's the podcast that's it it's basically like sitting on the couch with your annoying friends that won't shut up during the movie well i mean not wrong yeah basically (laughs) um so on tonight's docket since we might as well get started sure so that we're not having all of the good conversations before the movies even started like we did last time which will be next time for you listeners (laughs) yeah yeah because we record these and then do not publish them in order okay so on tonight's docket is donnie darko which is god i don't even remember when this came out this came out donnie darko came yeah so donnie darko came out when i was in elementary school um and the first time i ever watched it was at like three in the morning on i think space oh this is already Network. a great story yeah um, i mean that is the perfect so time to not, watch that movie i know so for those of you not in canada space network is kind of like sci-fi it's basically like sci-fi channel um but the canadian version and space used to do 
this like triple feature movie night on I think Fridays. Yeah, and it was called Friday Night Frightmare. Right. Yeah. Holy shit. And they would play like two to two to four like horror or horror adjacent movies in a row starting at I think eleven o'clock. And I was never allowed to stay up for them because I was like fuck 11 (laughs) it was like way too late and it was all scary movies and all I wanted to do was be able to stay up for them so the one night I set my alarm to wake me up so that I could be up when my parents had gone to bed so that I could catch at least one of the movies on space on this Friday night, right good. and it was this is like the best. It was Donnie Darko. I mean, yeah, that's a good. And one. that was the first time I ever watched it, and I think I was like twelve or thirteen or something. Like it was, it was when I was in elementary school. It was before I got to high school, so it was like twelve. Um, and I was alone in the basement of my house, nice, so that nobody would hear me. Um, at three in the morning, watching Donnie Darko. Oh my God, for this the is like you're time, like the and it poltergeist. Blew my mind. Oh, yeah. No, that well, that was in her parents' bedroom, but yes. Um, and it blew my mind. I loved it so much. So I'm very excited about this. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, obviously, point number one um, is obviously, I think, Jake Gyllenhaal in this is, like, you know, the teenage dream of my <laughs> of my youth. Oh, my God. He's psychotic in this. No, but I mean, like, you know, he just, he looks good and he has that vibe that he I, does. you know, I love. He was very cute. Um, and he has um, a tragic story in it. Um, and it's not unlike, yeah. we've talked about these characters before, but I, of course I like the guy in uh, American Beauty, too, who films the videos. and Wes Bentley! Yeah. So much beauty. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's a similar I was such a vibe. dickhead when I was in, when I was in, like, ninth grade. I was, like, such a movie head, because my brother worked at Blockbuster. So I saw American oh, nice. Beauty, and... Nobody understood that reference. Anytime I saw a plastic bag like mm. floating around, I would always like really intensely say, so much beauty. And nobody ever understood it. And I always thought it was hilarious. So I was like such a little dickhead about it. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, like, yeah, Donnie Darko just had, so, yeah, it had a huge impact on me. It's exactly like what my teenage self like loved in movies like this, this strange 100%. vibe, this idea of psychology, um, or like, you know, dark sides of psychology and, um, teenage, you know, it's a lot of our teenage concerns and the hypocrisy yeah. of adults and what it's kind of like a catcher in the rye, but for modern times too. Well, I was just, I was just going to say if it's one of those movies that I feel like if you're ever going to see it for the first time, you have to see it when you're a teenager mm-hmm. or like a preteen because it's not going to be like super impactful for you if you're like 25 and comfortable in your life. <laughs> you need to have some angst to really enjoy it. And I feel like it's the same with Catcher in the Rye. It's one of those, like, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. But if the first time you read it is when you're, like, a fully developed adult, you're probably not going to like it. Absolutely. Should we uh, jump right into it? Yes. I'm just going to full screen this bitch. Okay, so I am at double zeros. And there's, like, I don't know, that circle thing on my screen. <laughs> That was a really poor descriptor. Um, This is on Prime if you happen to want to watch this movie before you listen to the podcast. Right. And we have to give our Um, little caveat each time. Um, We do cut the pauses because we're not, and hope maybe in the future we'll be better at this. But, you know, sometimes we have long pauses. And so for purposes of podcast, we cut it down, which means following along in the movie might not work um, exactly. 
So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it won't line up perfectly just because we don't want you to listen to silence. Yeah, if you have comments on that, please tell us. Because <laughs> uh, we'd like to know which way Yeah, better. if you want this to line up with the whole movie. <laughs> um. Okay, cool. So you're at zeros? I am, I am. All right, three count. Three, two, one, play. Oh, it's the Hollywood Suite channel opener thing. I see. But yeah, um, oh god, it's especially I bet this channel contains some good shit. Especially from last week, I don't have like that much new stuff that I've gotten into. I've been really working on school and stuff, like as boring as that is. <laughs> I'm trying to make. I'm sure I watched something. I know I, I rewatched Insidious, which mm. my brother made fun of me for. Um, no, that's a cool movie. It it is a cool movie. Brother gives me so much shit for it. That movie was like so different and weird and like new compared to like any other horror movie that came out at that time. Like it was like it started a whole new like style of horror film. Mm. And I just want to make sure. Am I thinking of the right one? Is it with the older woman psychic who comes yes. in? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I. Yeah. She's so cool. Like it's just such a cool vibe and you know it has some similarities to like poltergeist and whatnot but that's like ancient yeah for sure for sure and it does it does have sort of a feel where it's like a revamp it's like a modern version of the like 70s 80s like possession horror movies like the exorcist and poltergeist and um all of those types of movies Mm -hmm. but it's just like for a new audience it's a new style and yeah i really like that movie i thought it was really cool Although I'm kind of over Patrick Wilson now that he's in every single horror movie that's ever made. <laughs> it's like he's in that, he's in all of the Conjuring movies, he's in he was in Into the Tall Grass or In the Tall Grass, or whatever the fuck that was. Oh, called. I wanna see that one actually. Was it good? I mean, yeah, it was decent. I think I think mm. it's it's one of those movies where like when you watch it you can tell that it that the novella or book or whatever it's based off of is better. Mm. Um, you can sort of like, you can tell that there's a lot of stuff that's supposed to be like, not a lot, but there's some stuff that's supposed to be like really scary that would have been more impactful in print than it was visually. Cause like, it's just kind of like they're in a field of grass. So you're kind of like, yeah. Yeah. So Donnie Darko opens with Donnie, AKA Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) Very young, very young Jake Gyllenhaal. Probably the first movie I know him in actually. It's not the first movie he ever did, but it is a really early one. Mm-hmm. He's a child actor, but I think I think he is young. He's like seventeen in this or something. Yeah, gives me um sort of Twin Peaks vibe at the beginning, kind of like you're zooming totally. into a small town and you're meeting the a central character and seeing what weird weirdness you're getting into. Also, I swear, like every boy that I knew had those pajama bottoms. I mean, people still have that to today. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, I, though people should not wear pajamas in public, IMO. No, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's very charming and cute in this scene, but I still... Not in the real world. It's not charming and cute in the real world. There, you know what? There is something totally unfair. Attractive people can just get away with more, and it just looks good on them. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just so frustrating because it's like, if you're not attractive, you look like gross and creep. And, like, you don't take care of yourself. 
If you're attractive, oh my god, you look, you know, bedroom icy. It's like, I great. mean, I I don't know. I think if I saw Jake Gyllenhaal walking down the street and he was in pajamas, I think something happened to him. Like he was going through <laughs> some shit. Uh, like, I mean, are you okay? He always looks like something just happened to him. Oh, Jake Gyllenhaal looks good now. <laughs> he looks real foxy. This guy just like leaf blowing his daughter or something. So do you think this movie's supposed to be set before 2000? Yeah, it's set in the 80s. Yeah, because I was to say, I'm like, they do, it, the fashion doesn't look like the 2000s. Yeah, no, they show the dates on the screen during this movie. I, I think it's set in like, it's either set in 82 or 86. I can't remember which, but I think it's one of the two. And yeah, the, mm. voting for Dukakis and stuff. Oh, Stephen oh she's King's reading it! it. Ah! Pouring myself a drink here. That's a good sound. Beautiful. Mm. she's in um i never made this connection before she's in battlestar galactica which i'm watching with my roommate right now yes she is the mom she's i honestly i love her in that i think she's a great actress she is a really good actress i also like maggie gyllenhaal i like her and stuff Mm. she just seems like a like real person yes she doesn't she never feels like a character Oh, this whole interaction is so great. It's so funny. Just like a political conversation oh. at the dinner table. Yeah. Suburban families, you know. I mean, both of our families, as we know, we argue about this shit all the time. <laughs> talking about being paid for therapy. Yeah, it's just such a... We do, you know, this is definitely one of our biases, but like the... The suburban. Oh, this, oh yeah, this is such a like view white... of like yeah, like the suburban novel, like the corrections and stuff like that. It's very American Beauty. You know? <laughs> How exactly does one suck a fuck? So good, <laughs> such a good line. But no, yeah, this is very like bland white people arguments. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love that the dad laughs. Now we're in Donnie's angsty teenage bedroom. Oh, I wonder what he's reading. I love figuring out what people are reading in the thing. So she, yeah, I think we mentioned, but she's re- she was reading it. Yeah. By um an obscure author. <laughs> I love that by an obscure author. I love that the mom is wor- worried that he went out and TP'd a neighbor's house. He's definitely playing a like seventeen year old over, but I- I'm I'm surprised at how. Like, obviously he looks young, right? Like, especially compared to him today. But, like, he still looks a lot, like, the same. Like, he's still very recognizable. Yeah. I mean, he's aged really well. That's, that's true, too. Oh, my God. More reading. I've never seen so much reading in a... I know. In a movie. Well, it is the 80s. They don't all have TVs in their bedrooms. Hmm. He's eavesdropping. Oh, no, he's not eavesdropping on his parents. He's just getting some medicine from the cabinet. That would have been Donald creepy. Darko. That's scary. Well, I mean, what did you think? Did you think Donnie was his Christian name? I know, I know, name? but like, I just, you know, didn't put two and two together. This reminds me of, um, I'm sure you've seen, but you know, the famous contact scene with the bathroom mirror? Do you know what, what? I'm talking about? There's, do you know the movie Contact? Yeah, I haven't seen it forever. Also, he's 21 in this movie. Yeah, I, I, I thought 17. Yeah, he looked a little too old for 17, but... um. Yeah, in, in Contact, uh, I think it's Jodie Foster, but it might be a different character. But she's running up um, some stairs going to the bathroom mirror. And you realize that the camera has actually been doing this 
in a mirror shot, like through the mirror this oh, whole time. Oh, I yes. And it, then it shows the that. reversal. And it's just such a cool camera technique. Look at how sad that grandfather clock looks. Why it looks... Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's 88. 88. It's 88. Damn it. I said 86. I really like his shelving unit. That, like, upside down triangle mm. thing. I know this, is in, this isn't interesting. The Illuminati. Yeah, this isn't interesting content, like, content for anybody, but it's just a really nice shelving unit. <laughs> this bougie-ass You know, house. re-watching this, I'm... I'm interested to see my opinions about the, the, you know, there's been a lot of movies like horror school and stuff recently. That's kind yeah. of about the relationship between mental illness and like supernatural or science fiction events. Right. right? And how it's even in today's society, right? There's so many people where the line between conspiracy theory, science, um, alternative medicine, all this stuff is so people get you know, fall on so many different sides of the fences with this where they're like i want to i you know i believe certain conspiracy theories are happening i'm gonna exit from politics or exit from medicine whatever it is yeah no i feel like a lot there are a lot of movies that have come out recently that feel very like akin to donnie darko yeah and i don't know if that's like intentional or if donnie darko is just that ahead of its time or what but it it does feel like a very influential piece of content i remember having tons of conversations about the botany like with people but i actually cannot remember like what it represents or where it came from any of that stuff oh real poltergeist an actual (laughs) tv with the static i mean the few things we know so far donnie is in therapy and he's on some kind of medication he sleepwalks at night and he hallucinates, presumably, a bunny-suited figure. Maggie Ginnell-Halsa sneaking out? Sneaking in, actually. Oh, I thought that was her bedroom. You're right. Earthquake? No, it isn't the earthquake. It's the, uh... It's the whole big plot thing of the movie. Oh, they're just not going to show it, though. Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, so this is the second time he's waking up in, like, a field. Uh, yeah. Well, he woke up on the road before, and now he's in, like, a golf course, probably. I would assume so, with those outfits and that red flag. Oh, God, this terrible joke. Swayze! Sleep golfing? Oh, he wrote something on his uh, mm-hmm. arm. Like a date or something like that? Well, that was just in the voiceover in the last scene. 28 days, 6 hours, um, 42 minutes, and something seconds. Mm. it's what the bunny's telling him but yeah not much uh not much traction on watching stuff this week no Um, me neither um other than insidious and then just like a shitload of true blood yeah there was a lot of them forgot how attractive so many people from true blood were ridiculous (laughs) um oh and i've been watching like a lot of shit on youtube me too yeah, I was watching. So Chris Hansen of To Catch a Predator fame has okay. his own YouTube channel now. So I've been watching Have a Seat with Chris Hansen. And he's been doing like investigations into famous people from like online platforms. So he did one on Onision, who is a YouTuber. Yeah who's, if you aren't familiar, was accused of grooming yep. and sexually assaulting 
his young fans, um, including having a getting guardianship of a 16 year old girl and having her move in with him. Oh my Jesus. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so the women have been coming forward and Chris Hansen has been doing an investigation and there is now a police investigation and an FBI investigation against him. Um, and his latest one that he's doing, Chris Hansen now, is, um, I can't remember the guy's full name, but it's Dobby, who was from uh, Blood on the Dance Floor. Okay. I don't, I don't know that band. Uh, movie. Um, so they were like super well known when we were in like high school. Um, they're like an emo scene band that got really famous on MySpace. Oh, okay. And the lead singer, Davi, whatever, um, is accused of molesting upwards of 21 underage girls. Jesus. Yeah. Um, so a bunch of his alleged victims have been coming forward. Chris Hansen has been doing an investigation into him. Um, and he like changed his name and is trying to reinvent himself and his music online. Um, and he already has like 125 followers on 125,000 followers on Instagram. So like people like are paying attention to him and actually giving him like attention. And most of like his current fans are again, young girls under like the age of 16. So it's like very problematic. He was really well known when back when Jeffree Star was still making music. If you remember then, oh wow, remember that that he like Blood on the Dance Floor went on tour with Jeffree Star a bunch of times. Huh. Yeah. The Darkos are now staying in a motel. Yeah, because a an airplane. What's that called? Like a not propeller. No engine. Engine. Yeah. Piece. Not a propeller. To their house. (laughs) But yeah, like, no, I haven't really been watching stuff, but like, oh, we've been talking about like, obviously, tons of stuff to do with Corona and like the US's reaction and oof, yeah, just, just a lot of um, craziness going on. And a lot of people are sharing now about the likelihood of like a second wave and how, and I think this is true, even for myself and my friends, it's like, you know, we're loosening our, our intensity, right? And we're, we're willing for to sure. break certain rules a bit more. And, you know, that's exactly what leads to the second wave, which if you look at the Spanish flu was way worse than the first wave. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a scary prospect that we're, you know, even Ontario, where we're from, um, is thinking of reopening a lot of stuff now. And, you know, it's, it's, it is doing it very gradually and smartly, but it's going to be spooky. For sure. Oh my God, this movie is such good music. But yeah, it's so hard, it's so hard to keep up. It's so hard to keep up that the feeling of vigilance. No, totally. And I think ever like everybody's getting to a point where like we're all just like stir crazy and want human interaction. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not smart. Obviously, like we're gonna end up with a second wave and it's gonna be really shitty. Oh my God. But like I know this guy, this, this fucking guy, weird, this mullet, mini mullet. Yeah. <laughs> like such a douchebag face oh this bitch yeah <gasps> she's such a bitch in everything she's in i forgot that like the young jenna malone look at how cute she was <laughs> what's she been after this she was in saved she was in sucker punch hmm. he's just doing coke in the middle of the hallways 
I mean, sure. Damn. That school does not give a fuck. I mean, like, half the people at our school were doing coke, but they had the decency to go into the bathroom. Yeah, I wonder what the reception of this movie was, like, around the time and stuff, too. I bet it didn't do well. It feels like a movie that wouldn't be a blockbuster hit, but would be, like, a cult hit. Which, I know it was a cult hit. Yeah, it is is interesting in context that, like, movies right now, like, um, Booksmart and Lady Bird get a lot of praise. And have I forgot your Barrymore with similar those. concerns. Yeah, Booksmart is considered a flop, like a theatrical flop. Oh, really? Yeah, it didn't make a lot I of didn't money. I know that. I don't even oh, think it's such it, a good like, movie, though. I know it was, but I don't like it made back its budget, but I don't think it made that much more than that. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm I can't remember the actress's name. Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Oh my god. I, I said that like 45 seconds ago. You don't listen to me. Oh yeah. I'm I, sorry. I missed that. Look at that little blonde girl. She looks like she's like 35. This <laughs> <laughs> is like an unfortunate girl. These shoulder pads. Oh my god. I love her character in this though. I know. Probably one of my favorite Drew Barrymore roles. I know. She's so good. What did the cardigan have the shoulder pads? It's insane. <laughs> Books are such an important part of this movie, and I never realized that. They're constantly coming up. I know. It's like the only teacher you really know is the, like, English teacher. Graham Greene? I'm not... I actually don't know who that is. (laughs) What an insane name, Donnie Darko. (laughs) Yeah, this kind of line is very, like, cliche now. I know. Yeah, feels very awkward but yeah donnie was just saying like they're talking about a short story in which some kids find a huge amount of money and then decide to burn it and he's like oh but the burning of the money is an act of creation in itself and they just want to see what would happen in the world and it's like i mean sure (laughs) i mean i i do think that that's an accurate dissection of the text Mm -hmm. but it's also it's like i feel like with this movie and things like Goodwill Hunting and Dead Poet Society and like all of those movies that came out around the same time that like super thoughtful intellectual white boy kind of thing is such a like lame cliched character now Mm -hmm. and it's like I just it feels very like unauthentic inauthentic but I still love Donnie Darko He's the, like, teenage boy that every girl wishes was in her class. <laughs> He's cute and troubled and mysterious. Oh, look at that Canadian tuxedo right there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're, um, no, you're right. Like, there's, you know, we have e-boys now or whatever we have. Um, and, like, but at this time, like, this was this brooding teenager type that was intellectual. And it was just very much in vogue. Oh, yeah. For sure. And, you know, I don't know, that might just have a bit to do with people say like the 90s were a time when quote unquote history rests. There's a kind of just like the only exciting thing was to say like, oh, the world is just a boring, dull place. And. Oh, yeah. Nihilism was very, very popular in the 90s. Oh, yeah. So they're meeting um, a sort of lost old woman in the street. And uh, yeah, I didn't remember her before. I didn't remember that she's in this movie until now, but... Yeah. She almost, she almost looks out of a 
labyrinth or uh... I know. She looks like the Goblin King got old. Yeah. She's rocking a mullet too. Frank. That's the name of the rabbit. Yeah. Follow him into the future. Oh my god. All of these hairstyles are just like destroying me in this movie. <laughs> what are like feathered bangs? What is happening? Yeah, we're like, what, about two months into quarantine now? Oh, self, self-imposed um, quarantine. Yeah. And um, Lockdown. Uh, yeah, how, it started on, you... for me, it started on the, what, 12th of May? So yeah, or 12th of March. So yeah, exactly. Almost exactly two months. How are you, uh, how are you coping with it now? Um, it's been okay. I mean, I've still been seeing my parents off and on. Which is probably not great, but I mean, I'm isolated from everybody else because I live alone. So it doesn't like it's not really going to affect my parents if I see them. Um, but yeah, I'm okay. It gets it gets kind of like lonely because I live because I live alone. Um, so I've been talking like my brother and I have been calling each other a lot more often than we usually do. For sure. So we've been having phone conversations because he lives he lives in Montreal and he works from home. Um, as well. So like, obviously he's not really seeing anybody other than his fiance. Then I see my parents and I have all my work meetings and stuff. I forgot how much that made me laugh. That little boy comes on the screen. I'm not afraid (laughs) anymore. (laughs) Um, yeah, like I'm, I've been okay. It's just been like kind of boring and all I do is watch movies and TV shows and then work all day. So that's kind of like, you know, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... How about you? It must be nice that you have, like, roommates. That must be better. Or are you, like, all, like, trying to murder each other at this point? No, we're not trying to murder each other, but um, one of my roommates got a job uh, recently, and um, it it definitely changed. We're all just on very different sleep schedules now, so that really changed things. But before that, we were all spending two or three hours a day together just watching stuff and doing stuff, so... Ugh, I'm jealous. Now I rely a lot on different... uh, online calls and stuff like that with people for socialization i'm not jealous of like because i like living alone a lot it's really nice having like my own space and my own level of like cleanliness and my own level of organization and just like nobody fucks with my shit which is nice not that my old roommates did like i i had pretty good roommates but it is nice to sort of dictate my space completely yeah 24 days remain it's october 6th now in the movie um but I miss the kind of like social interaction that you get from having roommates. Um, For sure. Cause it does get, especially now that we're all like isolating and stuff, it gets lonely. I mean, I've got you once a week, so at least I have that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a couple of my coworkers and I have a, an Instagram, like a group on Instagram and we will occasionally like watch trash TV and just like message each other on Instagram. So that's fun. Yeah. I, uh, especially in the first six weeks or so, like, I, even though I was getting stuff done, like, I found it really, like, doubly stressful. Um, but it's weird. I've had kind of space again to myself. And now I feel in a certain way, and I don't think that this should be the case for everyone. I just, like, my own experience. Now I'm just feeling like the second wave where I have, like, newfound energy to, like, get into stuff and do stuff and, like, reflect on what I want to do. And that's what everyone was saying, like, at the beginning, like, this fight between, like, oh, now you have the time to do whatever you've been putting off versus people who are like, um, you're in the lit- you're in a literal pandemic. You don't have to do anything. Just, you know, 
deal with the fact that this situation is really tough. But because the laxness of the pandemic, you know, has sort of set, I just feel this need for productivity again. Yeah. I feel like if it's, if it's one of those things where like, I think the middle ground is that, you know, if you can be more productive during this, that's great. But like, you shouldn't feel bad about yourself Mm -hmm. if you aren't. I think like, that's just how it needs to be. Is that Seth Rogen? Oh, I didn't recognize him. But one of the two bullies. I I it might not be, but it fucking looked like him. <laughs> Sorry, I know I just totally like sidetracked myself, but oh my god, if that's Seth Rogen and I never knew he was in this, I'm gonna be like so shocked. Oh my god, this movie is just such full of these suburban cliches. Why did you move here? Oh, my parents had a divorce. You know. <laughs> oh okay that's a little different yeah totally oh my god it is seth rogan sorry i had to look <laughs> it up it just it would have made me really mad if i didn't if i didn't look it up i can't believe he's in this it's the right time this is like freaks and around freaks and geeks time for him so it makes sense that's so weird i still like don't recognize it as him that's wild yeah it's totally him it's totally him you'll see him again in another scene he's not like he he walked away but you'll see him again in another scene and it's 150 percent him it's so funny not mullet guy, but the other one. Mm-hmm. I want to be a writer or a painter. Yeah, of course you love him. Yeah. He's mysterious, troubled, and artistic. Yeah, it's like the favorite. trifecta for you. It's a triple threat. Yeah, I mean, the honest truth about that is like, it's, you know, it's pretty simple. I just, I love analyzing stuff and artistic people give me stuff to analyze and I always keep it interesting. And so it's like... Yeah, it's, it's not that, you know, complicated of an explanation. I mean, I get that. I don't know. I think I would get... Like, I dated a guy in a band, and it's very much that, like, artistic integrity kind of thing. And it get, it can get real aggravating if they're, like, mm. very pretentious about it. Which, honestly, most people who are, like, really into art, into their own art, they can get... Especially when, you're, when they're younger, um, can get very pretentious about it and just be, like, outright dicks. So it can, yeah, get, sure. it can get exhausting dating somebody who's in that sort of lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, I think every personality type has, you know, their bad That's fair. Um, sides. It's just like, even for an average, like, you know, a lot of people I know are very attracted to very professional put together people. And it's like, I have nothing against those types of people. I just find the idea of like spending a lot of your life trying to like get it together in that way, just like really boring. And so it's just like, as a, even a su- person successful at that, doesn't really excite me um even though they can be very good people i don't even know what type of person like attracts me other than apparently every guy i've dated has had those like really intense forehead wrinkles (laughs) (laughs) i don't don't know what that's about but it's a common theme that we've noticed it represents the womb I i think it's just me trying to detract from my own luke perry forehead I'm like, I need to find somebody mm. with, like, a worse wrinkled forehead than mine so that I don't feel so ashamed of my own enormous forehead. It's not even that big. I don't know why I'm so embarrassed and, like, self-conscious about my forehead. I have a regular forehead for anybody who listens to this. <laughs> I have a regular forehead, I tell you. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, like, a, I don't have, like, an eight head or anything messed up. I just, like, I have Luke Perry forehead wrinkles. I miss Luke Perry. Donnie Darko is currently getting hypnotized during therapy right now. She sounds like an interrogator. I know, this is like not relaxing hypnosis. I also love that her couch is like maybe two feet long. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so much of this that reminds me of uh, Twin Peaks as well. Just the era. Yeah, for sure. The, like, therapy. Okay. <laughs> I love that line. There are some really good lines. Oh, God. He yeah. is... Yeah, I remember the first time I watched this and I was like, oh no. So I was like 11 or 12. And I was like, oh dear. How embarrassing would that be? In the middle of like a hypnosis therapy session, you wake up and your hands are down your own pants. Yeah, that's, I do not remember this happening, but obviously, probably as my young self was probably very excited about that scene. Yeah. <laughs> I think being, you know, like 12 the first time I saw it, I was very confused by that scene. Mm. I just remember being like, oh, oh dear, I'm not supposed to watch this. I was definitely a late cover in the movie. I didn't watch it when it came out. I watched it years later from like recommendations and stuff. So I probably was around like 17 or 18. Oh, um, so there has been a vandalism on school property. Somebody busted the water main put an axe into the head of their mascot and then spray painted they made me do it on the courtyard so now the police are there and are apparently taking handwriting samples from chalkboard writing which makes no sense i mean i think you did it too you fucking psycho oh jesus he's putting a switchblade to his throat that's (laughs) terrifying oh this is a smurf conversation i used to love this this reminded me of the Gone Girl conversation too, because that was another possible movie for tonight. And uh, what was the Gone Girl conversation? The 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 famous speech, the cool, I'm the cool girl. Oh yeah, 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 that is a good speech. And they're basically being like, "Yeah, we want a cool girl." Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that Donnie's of course explanation has nothing to do with the sex stuff. He just has the technical explanation of how the Smurfs work. Oh my god, this is amazing. Smurfs are asexual. <laughs> What's the point of living if you don't have a dick? Well, this is the not great side of Don Darko. Well, they're supposed to be like 16, 17. Like, they're just like dumb, horny little like drunk boys in a field. Uh, yeah, very true. Like, aside from the overly intellectual study of Smurfs, like, that felt pretty true to form. Forgot how bad I felt about that old lady. Who's this poor, lonely old lady who stands in the middle of the road waiting for mail that never comes? <laughs> I mean, I know it's sad, but it's a it, it is funny. <laughs> oh, wow! No dice, wow, Grandma. Lydia. Come on, it's a funny line. Okay. Look at the ludicrous ludicrous print on this couch. I did remember. I have been. Okay, there's investigating something. But I have been reading, reading a book. Um, I think I, I must have told you about these before, but it's the third book in a trilogy that I've been reading for a long time. I just want, want to finish the last one called the Three Body Problem Trilogy. Okay. So it's, it's, a, it's a sci-fi um, written by a Chinese author and became really big. Basically about an alien. It's a, it's a, it's a type of alien invasion story, but it's like very... Uh, creative and dark but and from a Chinese perspective like it really begins from the cultural revolution in China and the types of governments and the cruelty of humanity to itself um, and how even some human beings are kind of okay with 
or not oh, not just okay but desire an alien invasion because they're like we're sick of humanity so it's a very uh different take on things um so i can't say much about the third book because it obviously lots and lots of that has happened but um it's it's been it's been really cool and i'm glad to be reading again and trying to finish it i just want to like segue for a minute in the last scene or this scene here this bitchy teacher that we all hate is now trying to get the short story that we read in the earlier scene with Drew Barrymore by Graham Greene banned from the school because mm -hmm. it incited the vandalism in her opinion. Right. Yeah. So this is one of the first big um, conversations Donnie is having with uh, Frank, the bunny. Um, yes. And they're like in a mirror together. So there's, it's, it's clearly some aspect of his personality or something like that. Like his mirror, his alter ego. Well, it's interesting because, like, it doesn't appear to be... I mean, I know there's a wall. He can't get through it, like a clear wall. But it's not exactly a mirror because he's not oh, right. seeing the same right. image behind him. He's seeing the exit to the bathroom. Mm. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. Also, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to see Seth Rogen in a minute. Oh, my God. Look at that, like, Joanne McLeod outfit. There's Seth Rogen! Oh, there he is, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then this platitude of fear versus love. And yeah. where are you on this line? And yeah, like, because we both went to Catholic school and <laughs> there is, you know, they try to be helpful, but it, there is this sense in which we have to follow platitudes. Like, it seems like that's all we're able to really yeah. get into. I think my favorite part of attending Catholic school for my entire education, like, elementary and high school was the like how at least in Canada how hard they try to teach relatively legitimate sex education but they do it with these like books that they call the fully alive books oh yes and they they teach like catholic family values but they still teach you like what the boy parts are and what the girl parts are and how to make a baby. Like they teach you all the actual stuff, but then they also teach you like, but you know, you should do this after you find the love of your life and you get married. <laughs> yeah. And it just always made me laugh. And it told like it, all those books, like they taught you like what family dynamics were acceptable, but like without saying that that's what they were teaching you. It's super like weird and messed up to think about now. Yeah, and of course, Donnie Darko is giving the speech. You can't just put things on a binary set. Yeah. This is a stupid exercise. It's not yeah. that simple. It's it, not it is hard white. as an older person to, like, lack subtlety in this movie. It's yeah. very... Well, and that's, that's why I said at the beginning, like, this is totally the type of thing that, you, like, is really, like, only going to be impactful to you if you watch it when you are a teenager. If you watch it when you're a fully developed human, like, you're going to see the, the faults in it. It's made for a teenage audience really yeah and i think that's a very it's a tough distinction to make but there's so many different distinctions to make obviously when judging media and things like this but i think something being good to to watch or read or whatever is it's still good yeah it's I just agree. like it's just geared toward a specific audience. and then it, it but it's made for that time and you have to rate it for that i agree just I like agree there can be great kids movies right but they don't necessarily translate to being that interesting to adults yeah, I mean, I think, sorry, this line. 
<laughs> I just love that the dad laughs. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. Donnie's so proud of himself. I know. <laughs> Look at him. Look at his dad. <laughs> um anyway, no. Yeah, I think I think a lot of movies for kids now, it's it's tough to rate it the same way as you would a movie for a teen. Because a teenager is like at an age where they'll go see a movie on their own. So like those films that are for teens are really, really made just for teens or preteens. Whereas like kids movies also have things in them that will make them entertaining for the adults that take them to the film. So I think there is a little bit more of like a cross section of your audience that you get for those types of films rather than what you would get for most teen made films. Mm. I also think like yeah, there's Donnie Darko. There's very of, different goals. Yeah, I think Donnie Darko is is kind of interesting because very very obviously the the audience that this is geared towards is teenagers, but it is also a movie that I think like has a lot of like it has a lot of swears and stuff like that and smoking and stuff where like if a movie like this was made today it at least in the states probably wouldn't be given a rating where like any like 15 year old could just go see it um Mm -hmm. without like a parent to take them so i think it's challenging for movies like this to do well in theaters um alternatively in canada i think movies like this can generally do well because most movies with swears and stuff are only going to get like a 14a rating here which would be like equivalent to a pg-13 in the states whereas like in the states they might get an r rating just for the sheer amount of like fucks that this movie has this guy's supposed to be a a teacher it's so funny he's probably only like two years older than jake gyllenhaal i had a teacher that age at at um our high school her name is Crystal, and she used to babysit me when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. She was friends with my brother in high school, and my brother was only eight years older than me. Um, but, like, she went to university or whatever right out of high school, and then she did, like, teacher's college, and she got her placement. Yeah. No, it's just funny, because Jake is um, 21, right? So it's like he's already three years out of high school. Yeah. And then he's, like... You know, with this guy who's playing teacher who's only like two or three years older than that. Looks like 24, 25. Oh, yeah. I and he see could be mean. 30. He's, he's, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff and I can't think of this guy's name, but he is very baby faced. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of, um, um, Schitt's Creek, Ted. Who? Ted from Schitt's Creek. Um, I'm trying to remember his, um, the actor's name, but I can't. He's also in Dirk Gently. I can't even think of a character named Ted in Schitt's Creek. Uh, Alexis. Oh my god, Ted, yes. He was in um, the 90210 reboot. Oh, the I didn't first see that. reboot, not the second reboot. Oh my god. <laughs> what? I didn't know there was a second reboot. Well, the first reboot was like a true reboot with all new characters and was only tangentially related because one character mm. was related to um, Silver. Um. The second reboot had the original characters from 90210. I guess sans Luke Perry, because I think he died before it came out. Or he might have been in, like, one or two episodes, and then he passed away. 
Um, Noah Weil is the science teacher. Oh, and he's nine years older than Jake Gyllenhaal. So. Oh, yeah, wow. So he's just very baby-faced. Yeah. He was on ER. That's what I know him from. I remember him in ER. Oh, never seen that show. My mom used to watch it. That's the only reason I know it. They're very open about reading and talking about this philosophy of time travel book at the dinner table. I think they're probably just excited that he's interested in something, to be honest. Mm. Like, Donnie seems like kind of a dick. Oh, that's right. She wrote, the the old lady who keeps standing in the street wrote a book about time travel. Ah, yes. I knew she had a, I knew she had a more involved role. Yeah, she was like a physicist or something. She's talking about feeling alone, loneliness. I mean, probably very mm. uh, relatable to people right now. Yeah. I'm seeing so many posts on social media about stir craziness and stuff. I can't get over Jake Gyllenhaal's insane eyebrows on this movie. They're like so thick and so sparse. It's weird. Oh my god, this reminds me of like, uh, oh my god, what's that movie? Hellraiser. Oh my god, totally. She looks like the... Yeah, 100%. The stepmom? Yeah. 100%. This is like the ultimate mom move. Just standing around drinking wine out of like overly fancy <laughs> crystal glasses in your like sweaters. Yeah, I would. I just seeing um his mom who plays uh the president in um Battlestar Galactica as well. I really would like to finish more of that show though. I'm really really enjoying it. Oh my god, I love Battlestar Galactica. Oh, sitting around watching sports. Not not a fan. <laughs> Me neither. My brother and my dad do it all the time when my brother's in town. I'll be like, let's hang out. Let's watch a movie. And they're like, we're going to put the soccer on. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go then. I'm going to go out. I think my dad's forever been like vaguely disappointed that I'm not more into sports. Yeah, no one in my family is really into sports. It's kind of crazy. Like my dad is, but um, no, none of my brothers are. Now we've got these like wormholes coming out of people's chests that are showing Donnie like where they're gonna go before they get there mm-hmm. and they I just... thought it was a cool cool effect yeah I agree but they just kind of look like clear penises <laughs> I mean we know he thinks about penises a lot that's true what's the point of life if you don't have a giant ghost penis coming out of you <laughs> the like special effect and I mean this is an old movie so it's kind of a shitty special effect but, like, there's something very, like, David Lynch meets Cronenberg about the sure. way this effect looks. And, like, realistically, it just looks like somebody was blowing bubbles because it's got mm. that kind of rainbowy, clear look to it. Yeah, it is kind of funny, though. Like, as a character, Dying Dark, like, there's a lot of time he spends just kind of in a dream state, mm-hmm. um, which is, like interesting in one way but it also is like it sort of lacks character in another way it's just kind of like mysterious well yeah i mean i think that's the thing like his character is just angsty and mysterious and unwell Mm. it's sort of like the teenage experience with puberty and maturity and independence kind of wrapped up in this very like tight tiny space so it seems like really aggressive and intense and weird he's talking to the new girl that he likes and uh well they've been going together for two yeah. weeks now oh oh, oh he tried to kiss her and she turned away <laughs> the rona 
<laughs> Actually, yeah, I uh, not not so much sneezing, but I, I definitely cough a lot, like just in general, and it's like not a great time for that to oh be. Oh my god, I know a thing. Well, our one friend is asthmatic and has allergies, so she's like sneezing and coughing all the time, um, <laughs> and like people give her dirty looks all the time when she's out, and she's like, "I'm not sick." <laughs> I agree with the dad. <laughs> His teacher deserved the shit he gave him. Oh, that lightning fucked me up. I blinked right when it came on the screen, and I 100% thought it was in the room and not on the screen. Mm. The therapist is explaining Donnie's conditions and to the parents, and yeah, but I, I couldn't catch exactly um, what what she was saying. His things that he'd he'd protect himself. Uh, insecurity or something like that aggressive behavior Hmm. um and when he feels threatened he lashes out and he has a detachment from reality and now she's explaining his hallucination or his perceived hallucination of a giant bunny rabbit named frank she thinks he might be a paranoid schizophrenic not an unreasonable diagnosis with the hallucinations considering he sees yeah frank and talks to him that said, apparently, with schizophrenia, auditory hallucinations are much more common than yeah. visual hallucinations. They can still happen. It's just less common. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos on, like, it's they're called, like, um, Wired does them and a few other publications do them on YouTube. Uh, but the Wired ones specifically are called Technique Critique. Okay. Um, but basically, like, with any of these videos, they get an expert in a particular field to come in and sort of explain or rate the accuracy of common situations in movies. So they'll pick like a clip in a movie and this expert will rate or explain why or why it is not accurate. Um, Mm. So I watched one with a psychiatrist or psychologist basically explaining how accurate or inaccurate certain depictions of psychological conditions in movies were. So it's really interesting. He did like, he did split, which has um, dissociative identity disorder. He did one movie that had schizophrenia in it. Like it was, it was really interesting. Highly recommend those technique critique videos. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. These attitudinal belief seminars are so great. Because I feel like when we were in, or at least when I was in like elementary school, like Catholic school, they used to bring in, oh, weird. <laughs> so mean. Oh, this is so hard to talk over because the scene is so good. Patrick Swayze is on a stage right now doing like one of those emotional support seminars. I think a scientist was chasing visions of love. Oh, God, this is so good. (laughs) How much are they paying you to be here? Cheryl. (laughs) It's it's funny to me, too, because even even back here, then, but like there's certain critiques this movie's making like of like hypocrisy in this like like Patrick Swayze's character which is like I agree with but I did like a little too obvious to me 
and it was my problem with Catcher in the Rye reading it too, right? Like the people he accuses of being phonies, like it just felt so. Even even at that age, it felt a little too like basic to me. This whole like, oh, everyone's just a phony in life. It's like, well, eh. Well, I think on average, there's this like, there's a level of nuance that I don't think most teenagers are are at the level to grasp. I'm not saying teenagers are stupid. I'm just saying like you haven't had. You, you've had very minimal life experience, you've been relatively protected, you haven't read a lot, you haven't had, like, an in-depth education about anything, so, like, of course you're not going to grasp every kind of nuance that might be in a film or a book or whatever. No, so for sure. Like, stuff geared towards them, it has to be a little more overt. <laughs> All the kids love his speech. Of course they do. Um, I, but I like I do enjoy the um the religious minded teacher though. I feel like her reactions things are more, more complicated, more nuanced, more. You know, because she's trying to be genuine, right? But like, it turns out her genuineness causes problems, right? And like, I my favorite line like the whole movie basically is the like I question your commitment to Sparkle Nation. Yeah, you know, and it's just so. Well, I just think like she's It's so authentic. Yeah, she's a she's a very accurate character. I mean, we we knew people like that. Yeah. Well it's not even just actually it's like the the like as that character is like coming from an authentic place. Whereas the Patrick Swayze character is clearly from the get go knows he's being a hypocrite and lying and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so I just find that I don't know, from I guess for me that's just less compelling. I'm more interested in the people who are genuinely trying to be good, but actually are wrapped up in things that are not good. See, but here's the thing that that's sort of, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you about the like religious minded teacher that she's trying to be good. I mean, maybe she thinks she is trying to be good. I don't know. But like she has like a bitterness and an anger to her. Mm. Very true. And she hides behind her religious beliefs as a justification for that anger and that bitterness. And I think that is her hypocrisy because what she's saying is like, you know, it's either love or fear and you should do your best to be more loving and more accepting, but she isn't any of those things. Everything she does comes from a place of fear and anger. Very true. So like, I think that is her ultimate hypocrisy is that she hides behind this veil of love and acceptance of Jesus but really, she's bitter and angry and afraid of the world. Yeah. I would say what sort of the movement from like teenage movies into more adult movies are like, and, or, and what, what I like about them at least, is like an almost two-dimensional to three-dimensional character thing where the characters in this are sort of templated to yes. be... Yeah. I agree. To have a message, to be interesting in a certain like, this will be the mentor, this will be the hip crap... Um, hypocritical you know preacher blah 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 and to each give a lesson on a sort of from a teen like a smart ass teenager um yeah i mean i agree with that but as like you know more adult stuff one of the more complicated aspects is that the characters you don't know you as a viewer and even the artist might not know where where they land if they're bad if they're good in what ways like it's it's a complicated on a level such that Everyone is, um, it isn't just a message, but it's trying to reflect the Reality difficulties of, of actual life. Yeah. And actual people. And yeah. 
And so I think that's where sometimes Donnie Darko and teenage movies can be grating because you can see how clearly they're just trying to point out a message. Yeah, no, I don't. I agree with everything you just said. I think you're a hundred percent correct on that analysis. And I think that's like, I think for Donnie Darko to appeal to its audience, it had to be this way. It had to be more overt yep. and obvious. I think the movie is very impactful for kids, for like teenagers. But I do think that like, if it were to have a lasting impact and grow with the with the people who are watching it, there would have been a way to do this where it would have still appealed to a teenage audience, but an adult could still enjoy it. It's funny that it's called the philosophy of time travel. Like, it just feels a little too appropriate for me. Yeah. I mean, that said, I took a philosophy of law course, so... I mean, I'm sure books like that exist. Oh, yeah. So who drew this? Jesus. I mean, I know Donnie draws, but damn. It's exceedingly talented. What is he... What is the teacher, like, sitting on? I literally have no idea. Or maybe on, like, the back of the chair, and his feet are on the chair itself. So... The the post that they have uh, that they're showing right is like some technology. It kind of reminds me of Clockwork Orange, you know, the like keeping their eyes open scene. Mm-hmm. And actually, I only recently found out like where the term and what the term Clockwork Orange means. Oh, interesting. Tell me, I don't know what it means. So it refers to thinking of even organic stuff, which we don't think of mechanical as mechanical, um, and that it's a sort of way of like when people were trying to explain the world outside of God, right? They're like, we need a God to explain biological things because how else can you explain them? But they're like, no, no, no. Just like mechanical things can be, uh, like, are created intelligently or whatever, so are organic things. And so they're like clockwork. Right. And yeah, I'm not sure who it was, though, that coined it, but what it was like an 18th or 17th century figure who uh, coined the term in, in one of these debates. And I was like, oh my God, like, I just, I, it's so funny, like, the the words themselves, like, never clicked to me as an actual metaphor for something, or, like, an actual example of something. They were just, like, cool words. That's interesting. Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Sure. I'd never, cool. I never put it together that that term might actually have a meaning. Yeah, and then obviously in the movie, they're treating him um, at the very end, right? Like, they're trying to be like, We're, we can, we can manipulate your biology on a mechanical level. Yeah. Also, I just want to take a pause for a second. A Halloween, like week of Halloween, horror double feature at a cinema in the 80s. As if that theater would be completely bare-assed empty, but the two of them. (laughs) Like, I mean, I know it's Evil Dead, but come on. As if that theater would be empty. Now Frank is at the cinema with them. It's insane lines. So ridiculous. Why are you wearing that stupid man suit? Yeah. I mean, that had an impact on me when I was young. I, sure. It had an impact on me when I was young, too. But now listening to it as an adult, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Cringe. It is cringy. It's like, oh, he's supposed to be, like, introspective and, like, oh, being human isn't any more meaningful than being in a bunny suit. Like, so dumb. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. The guy's taking his bunny suit off and he's, like, his eyes are bleeding. I think it's a guy, at least. It's just one eye. But he has long hair. I think it's just the one eye. Yeah. Just one eye. This movie isn't exactly giving me nostalgia or something like that. But I was going to say, like, there is, you know, people have talked about this a bunch. But, like, 
that feeling of like rewatching something that you haven't rewatched in a long time and where you feel like you're consuming your like your cash or whatever your 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 heap of uh, possible nostalgia yeah right there's no, like do you, do, yeah you know the feeling i'm talking about yeah. it's so weird it's so it's such a bittersweet feeling where you're like oh i'm really like loving rewatching this but i'm like i'm definitely consuming a resource that i only have like so many things i can rewatch um for the first time I also feel like I it's been so so long since I like the last time I watched this movie I swear I was still in high school like I've rewatched it a couple mm. of times but it's it's well over a decade at this point since the last time I saw it and it is so it's oddly weird like it's very weird feeling rewatching this because this so feels like one of the most impactful movies of my adolescence so rewatching it as like an adult is a very strange feeling to me right now. The Last Temptation of Christ is the other movie. Okay, now I understand why that theater was empty. <laughs> the Evil Dead and then The Last Temptation of Christ. Oh, I forgot about the talent show. This poor girl. Oh, man. It's not even, like, bad. It's just, like... It's, like, empathetically cringy. Yeah. This is one of those things where, like, at a high school talent show, this is absolutely how you get mocked for the rest of the year. It's so... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, those, like, dance moms and shit are legit, though. No, for sure. And But it's like, how does that connect up to, like, religion and, like, their hatred of, like, overly sexualized stuff? And then they do... Well, you know, I mean, all this makeup thing, on, though. like, nine-year-olds. That's the thing, though. Like, all of those, like pageant girl moms and dance moms and cheer moms so many of them are hyper hyper religious but then they like put short skirts and cake makeup and overly sexualize their like 12 year old daughters to win prizes it's i don't understand how to reconcile it why is the motivational speaker that they hired also hosting the high school talent show or the private school talent yeah show? i don't know i don't like they pay him for that i was thinking the same thing i'm like wait a minute why is he sparkle motion oh sparkle motion nation. i totally thought it was sparkle nation too oh this is so creepy i've seen like because like i had friends who were in dance and stuff so i've been to like their dance competitions and this is like super accurate and so upsettingly cringy man like donnie's little sister's not great either <laughs> also why are none of them smiling they all look like super serious basically Drew, Mar Drew Barrymore's whole character in this movie has been like side-eyeing everyone and everything <laughs> that seems like Drew Barrymore in real life though like she just yeah, seems true. like she'd be sassy oh Donnie Darko has now broken into Patrick Swayze's home splashing gasoline everywhere yep. no yeah the parallels to the book uh, catching the rye is like so intense yeah it's weird yeah it definitely seems I've, like i it's never like thought about that before a modern sci-fi retelling of catcher in the rye because he's even in a private school it's funny too because at this point he doesn't even know like that much about the guy he's just like oh you're paid to talk to us <laughs> burn yeah. your house down well and that guy you just noticed um the portrait that burned up just there was hiding a safe mm. so he just burned that guy's money mm. just like in the short story that was banned for inciting violence oh yeah 
Good catch. First, he burst the water main pipe in the school to flood the school, just like that same story. And now he's burned that guy's finances, basically. Love that he managed to burn down somebody's house and get back to the movie theater before his girlfriend woke up. How small is this town? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm also... Oh, the kissing. Yep. And he does have a pretty pretty decent alibi. Yep. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm also reminded a little bit of the Count of Monte Cristo in a weird way, just in this, like, desire for revenge story and, like, each one having, like, a, a just desserts to, like, all these different hypocritic or hypocritical or, like, uh, what's it called, corrupted officials. Oh, shit, that's right! Yeah, they find, like, the child porn. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's what I mean, he didn't even know that at this point, he just happened to, like... Well, it's not that he happened to, Frank told him to. Sure. He found Patrick Swayze's wallet on the street that had its address in it, obviously. And when Patrick came to him at the movie theater, he showed him Patrick Swayze's house on the screen. Mm-hmm. And the finding the wallet thing, based on your sort of theory, too, was related to the card he got with the yeah. fear and love line where, where yeah. it said, like, what would you do if you got someone's wallet? And he's like, it's not so easy. It's not just a fear and love. There's decisions to be made. And then, of course, the movie's justifying it by saying it's like, this helped him burn down a pedophile's house. What would you do if you found somebody's wallet on the street? Um, I mean, obviously, what I'd like to do is get it back to them. But it's like, I'd be really, like, nervous about it. So, who knows? Nervous about it in what way? Just, like, talking to people. Like, I probably wouldn't bring it to a police station. I'd probably try to contact them directly first. Interesting. Drew Barrymore in that scene is a big mood. Just going outside to scream fuck. Like I've never, I've never been to a courthouse or a police a police station in my life. Just like really spooks me out. Yeah. Um, I was in um law society in high school, so we did like mock trial debates. So I've been to the courthouse a couple times for those. Mm. So I actually missed why she's screaming. Mm. I think the book did officially get banned. Mm. I think, or she got fired. I can't remember which. That's what I was thinking, but like, why would she have gotten fired? I think she might have gotten fired. Uh-huh. Because, oh yeah, now she's finding out about the pedophilia. It's not even just pedophilia, it's a full child pornography ring. Not that just pedophilia is better. It's just a full child porn ring is like a big deal. Oh my gosh, this is Sparkle Nation line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just, there's such a, I don't know tragically beautiful commitment to this like stupid idea like uh, yeah i don't know i don't know how to explain why i like it so much i'm having a hard time reconciling the fact that they're both supposed to have daughters the same age i can't tell Mm. if donnie darko's mom looks like a lot better than kitty yeah they look (laughs) to me they look about the same age except that donnie darko's mom takes much better care of herself yeah i guess so they, like, really tried to hagger up that bitch character, though. <laughs> Which also feels a little on the nose, to be honest. Oh, How heartbreaking would that be if you're a parent and your kid is just like, how does it feel to have a wacko for a kid? Like, mm-hmm. that would fucking just break your heart. Oh, He's sending the old lady some mail. Right. Oh, yeah, cellar door. Yeah. 
another one. I very much remember this. This movie's very quotable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she's packing her box, so it does seem like she's fired. Yeah, she was fired. I can't remember why she was fired, but she was fired. Why did she bring an American flag with her when she moved into her office? <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, I'm not I'm not loving this giant American flag. Yeah, like it's not even it's, a little one. She's representing the freedom of America leaving. <laughs> like it's just it's just weird. Nobody would bring that in of that size. Yikes. I mean, yeah, that would scare me too, you weirdo. Aww. Oof. She has a whole romance book of Donnie Darko. She's me. <laughs> Aww. He took the earmuffs. <laughs> She's like the most judgmental sounding therapist. Being denied the hungry, hungry hippos. No, the way you said it sounds sexual. The way she said it sounded like, oh, you wanted a fucking board game, you little bitch. Oh, he's admitting to his... <laughs> <laughs> burning down stuff and goddamn hypnotherapy I don't know this part's really affecting me I think it's the voice it's very like childlike and emotional mm-hmm. well it's reminding me of that we've talked about this many times but like that kind of inevitable tragedy nihilistic tragedy thing that I love which of course is how this movie ends yes um, but, spoilers uh, yeah yeah, I don't know. I'm still just so obsessed with that that exact feeling. Oh, and he's afraid Frank is going to kill someone. And he said that he was forced to do these other things because of Frank. Oh, and Frank's in the room. The sky is going to open up. Freaky, like, stop motion or something. Or are they just yeah. cutting frames? Yeah. I think maybe they're just, like, filming it at a reduced frame rate or something. Mm-hmm. Trying to like terrify him. This therapist sucks. Actually, I'm not sure I've ever seen a, a podcast that does this, but this is almost reminding me like you could do a whole one, which we're doing partially, but like uh, of just going through like the movies that mattered to to us, like throughout our history and revisiting them and talking about them. I'm surprised people don't. Uh... I'm sure there are like nostalgia pods and like. Stuff like yes, that. Yes, there is that. I would be yeah. very shocked if there weren't. Um, this is a nice Actually, I, I heard about one where um, a person didn't have, for one reason or another, didn't have television for a year or two. Like, they were part of a cult or something like that. Ooh, and so they were, they were watching all the stuff from that year, being like, what did I miss? Oh, that's cool. I wonder what cult they were in. Oh, now they're going to throw a party because their parents are out of town. Halloween party. I've been to so many Halloween parties and there are never this many people dressed up. Mm. So many people are dicks about Halloween and won't wear costumes. Yeah. Like, why would you come to a Halloween party and not dress up? Just, it's just rude. <laughs> I've done it. Rude. I don't like dressing up. You can't go to a Halloween costume party and not wear a goddamn costume. I think people do. Look like a stick in the mud. I love that his one friend is dressed up like Hulk Hogan. Back in the 80s before Hulk Hogan was like... Yeah, but it's before Hulk Hogan was like super problematic. 
why did you wait until like nine o'clock at night to call his parents and say like i'm mm -hmm. worried about his violent tendencies yeah strange timing i know like arguably his therapy session was not an hour ago it was in the middle of the afternoon one thing i was um hearing about today and actually it's uh, a couple of books that i've been really interested in reading have you heard of the author sally rooney no i don't think so she wrote two books so far at least ones that i know of um called the newest one is called normal people and the one before that was called conversations with friends okay and uh it's it's very much like the people late college age and their sort of it's like a very like realistic millennial take on their lives so like some things that are mentioned for example in the romance of normal people like the sex comes first and then it's their emotional connection that has to be worked on right for example and so there's just this like up to dateness and normal people is just made into a show um that isn't i don't think it's quite out yet but people are it's a buzz and so yeah I'm, I'm intrigued about the show and i and i definitely want to read the books i've been wanting to pick them up but they've only been in hardcover um when i've looked um at, at the times so hmm. sounds interesting yeah conversations with friends i don't think it's as much of a romance but it's about like those college age conversations about like what are we going to do in our lives blah, blah blah but from a millennial perspective with like sort of group dynamics class dynamics and stuff um coming to the fore I don't know, just the vibe that people have talked about it, I, I thought was really intriguing. And uh, for us especially, I think it might be in, in interesting. His mom's saying that they should be back at 8.30 in the morning. And in case you missed it, in the last scene, his sister went up to somebody and asked if they've seen Frank. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Donnie and... Uh, Gretchen. I don't know her name. Gretchen? Yep. Oh, the sad grandfather clock's back. I know, it's so sad looking. Um, they were just uh, kissing upstairs at the party. Oh, and now kissing in the foyer. Well, the the implication is that they had sex. Because <gasps> she was like How taking dare. her jacket off and stuff while they were making out. She was just hot. Yeah, okay. And it is now six hours to the end of the world. The... I, I find the middle act of this um, a bit strange. Like we're in the like the end of like we're getting to the end of the third act now, mm -hmm. and it's just like, where was like the climax? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's like right now this party. Yeah, but it's just so like, it just slips by you. Also, there was a something written on the whiteboard on their fridge that yeah. said Frank's gone on a beer run or something. There's a lot of E.T. vibes in this. Is it just because they're all on bikes? Well, no, because <laughs> earlier, too, the, when the, um, and Drew the airplane engine, no, when the airplane engine smashed through their house, right, they had, like, people in hazmat suits there and, like, sort of, like, you know, government people with, like, the glasses on. And, yeah, there's just, I don't know. I mean, And obviously the era is similar. Presumably that would happen. No, I know, but it's still just, it's it's strange how... A plane engine landed in your house. E.T. is one I'd, I'd love to rewatch. I haven't seen that in a long, long time. Oh, yeah, I would and definitely rewatch it. it's a really e. interesting movie. In, uh, in my first house that I lived in um, with my family, uh, in our basement, we had a, a giant poster of E.T. It was like oh, the only poster cool. I ever remember really being up. That's cool. But uh, um, Yeah, I had no 
real uh, connection to ET as a kid or anything like that, but we have this giant poster. <laughs> um, our one friend, uh, like her parents' place, because, you know, I've known her since we were 15. Um, so I've been over to her parents' place a million times. Her dad had like their living room is kind of like a theater room so it's got like surround sound speakers and a really nice tv and like this whole like super cool setup um but he's got like giant like theater poster sized plaqued movie posters from like some of wow. his favorite movies up in their holy like, shit living room, and it's so cool what are some of the ones you can think of for some reason the only one that i can remember right now i think is indiana jones Sure. But I think there might be a Star Trek one up as well because he's, he's a huge Star Trek fan. Mm. It's so funny because I, like, I love, love, love Star Trek as well. But the original series, and especially the original series of movies, I just have very little love for. It's really the next generation that um, I, I fall in love Why would you with. wear the stocking on your head only to take the stocking off immediately as soon as you're around people? So why they... Why they want to kill Donnie? Well, because mullet guy thinks that Donnie has set him up because he's mm-hmm. the guy with the mullet is being blamed for the vandalism at the school. Yeah, I thought that's what it would be, but I didn't know if he was actually fully blamed for it. Yeah, I think so. Oh, you can definitely hear it's uh, Seth, Seth Rogen's. Oh, yeah. Voice. <laughs> As if some 16-year-old kid would know what ex machina means. <laughs> I'm gonna ex machina you bitch. <laughs> Ooh, I forgot that happened. Oh shit, I forgot that happened. That's fucked up. Yeah. I remember that being like I remember that messing me up really hard. Yeah, and here's Frank who went out to get beer. Yep. In the bunny costume. He just happens to actually be wearing the bunny costume. I do like this movie really doesn't give you clear answers on the distinctions between the time travel, the mental psychosis. Yeah. And he's a very beautiful actor too, though. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. It's their fault. Oh, he had a gun. Yeah. I do not remember this. No, remember we were talking over it, but the scene where like the thing first came out of his chest, it led him upstairs to his parents' closet yeah. And he found a gun. And so he probably shot him through the eye. Yeah. Frank is James Duvall. What's his name in real life? He was in Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh, he was in Independence Day. That's right. I knew that. He was young in that. Um, And he's been in a lot of shit that I have never heard of. Oh, he was in that new show, Now Apocalypse, that's on Crave. So yeah, Frank had run over Gretchen. Um for some reason or other, and then... Well, accidentally, because the bullies threw Gretchen into the middle of the road, like they beat her up and threw mm. her down in the road. Um, so she was lying down there, and then the Frank swerved to avoid Grandma Death because she was standing in the middle of the street again. Right. And ran over Gretchen accidentally because couldn't see her. She was lying down on the ground. Also, I totally forgot that there was a really shitty sequel to Donnie Darko. To Donnie Darko. Called S. Darko. Oh my god. It's... You know it has a cool sequel, though? Based on the... Or not not even sequel, but like... Little Sister. I think we've talked about this before, but the weird, like, sigh movie to the ring. What? Um, Called, like, 
it's called like Rings or something like that. It's not a side but movie. It's, it's people... a sequel. It's a trequel. Um, and Rings is not good. I've seen it. No, it's not good. But it's I. It's so I thought it was so cool to see all these teenagers like experimenting with the Ring video. It was just I don't know. It was such a it was such a weird. Now there's a weird funnel cloud coming out of the sky. I would say the coolest, like, it's not really a sequel, but, like, film within the same universe. The coolest one, to me, is Rules of Attraction, which is in the same, it's an amazing movie, it's in the same universe as American Psycho. I had no idea those were connected. Yeah, James Vanderbeek's character is the nephew of Patrick Bateman, Christian Bale's character in American Wild. Psycho. Yeah. Rules of Attraction. I'd I'd rewatch that one. It it has a similar vibe to this it movie. Does. Actually, it totally does. Just like very repressed sexual teenage energy stuff. Yeah, that movie is awesome, and it has like good actors in it that have really like not gotten much else that's been super good except for like jessica beale obviously but like shannon sossaman hasn't been in anything really since like that in a knight's tale james vanderbeek gets the shaft constantly ian summerholder <laughs> got vampire diaries which pretty much just like totally fucked his career oh here's the plane crashing in the tornado and that going through time going through the actress who plays jessica jones Oh my god. Because uh, she did, did a show with James Vanderbeek. Yeah, Van she Herbeek, did a show which called was the, really fun. Uh, Be in Apartment, Apartment 23. 20. Yeah. And it's that show is so fun. It's the Be in Apartment 23. Sure. It's a primetime television show. Um, I can't, for the life of me, think of her name. She was also in, like, she was in Veronica Mars. She's been in tons of stuff. Kristen Ritter. Her name is Kristen Oh, wow. Ritter. I really didn't know her name because that, that doesn't ring a bell. But she's phenomenal. I absolutely love her. One of my favorite, like, comedian. Not even comedian, but, like, you know, just, like, has a personality. Yeah. I mean, she is a funny actress in comedy. Like, she's very funny. Yeah, just in Jessica Jones, I think she isn't necessarily funny. No, but yeah. just has a t- strong personality. Yeah, so there's this time travel stuff with him and this thing happening and he ends up with this nihilistic yeah. ending and of course I loved it and actually in high school I didn't I probably was inspired by this and I didn't know I made a short film everyone else did monologues for their final year project in drama class because of course I was in final year drama class um, everyone else did monologues but I did a short movie and the end of my movie is actually a time travel back thing to like solve all the problems yeah so very similar in vibe and obviously another one like this is like um butterfly effect yeah obviously but i mean it really does solve all the problems that he caused you know like gretchen shouldn't die now um frank shouldn't die now yeah but i mean also he didn't now the pedophile won't be caught and other stuff you know okay but i mean it is more of an escape than it is a solution it is but like the only bad thing that i can think of is the pedophile really oh and this song um, the song was like my entire vibe for like 
eighth grade. Oh, and the Crazy teacher world. probably shouldn't get Mad World. The teacher probably won't get fired either. But yeah, I, I you know, song it is, is iconic. This, this ending movie. haunts me. Oof, Patrick Swayze freaking out about his own psychology. Yeah. At least he's a self-aware pedophile. Um, I don't, I don't personally feel this like that that I'm like a burden to the world or anything like that. But there's something just so messed up about the possibility that your own death or whatever could have positives and negatives. Yeah. Like, well, and there's something like about the way this ending works that like you get the feeling that people remember when they wake up because you can see like Patrick Swayze's like bawling his eyes out. The psychiatrist woke up in the middle of the night. Um, Kitty, the like bitchy teacher is like in shock and trembling Frank is freaking out. Yeah, he he like built his whole bunny costume. Yeah, he Crazy. designed it himself. He's like an artist of some sort. And like, yeah, see, he's touching his eyes. So like there's like this weird thing where like everybody seems Yeah to remember the last twenty eight days. And like they seem to have experienced everything that happened to them in those twenty eight days, and then they got to go back and start over. But the only reason they get to go back and start over and try to be better is because Donnie essentially sacrificed himself. Now looking back on it, like it's it's a in a way it's a bad message, right? It's like I think, you know, it's honestly done poorly, but this idea of escaping, like as a martyr, like I'm gonna sacrifice myself for the good of others, is like, you know, it's rarely it's rarely the right way to think of stuff. Well, and I think... Oh, and she had never met him. I think there's a certain, like, I think you're boiling it down too simply to me. Because to me, Mm -hmm. you're sort of left with the question of, like, if you could see all of the things that would happen to the people you love, the people you care about, all of the negatives, all of the positives, and you had the opportunity to go back and fix it and save them, like all of those things happening, their deaths, their pain, whatever, but it meant you would have to die. Would you do it? Mm -hmm. You know? And it's like, I'm not saying it's a good or it's a bad. I'm not saying it's a right or a wrong. It's just sort of like a philosophical quandary where you're left to sit like, if your death will save multiple people that you care about, would you do it? And see, she doesn't remember, but I think the mum does. Um, did you see um, A Quiet Place? Yeah, I did. Of course I did. Yeah. Um, so that one's another one where I had tr- trouble with the with the end because of the same um, martyrdom complex. See, that one felt a little too on the nose to me. So I agree with you there. That Because he didn't have to martyr himself to save those kids. That's the thing that mm. frustrated me. Oh, Drew Barrymore was exclusive producer. Yeah. I like that. Um, like that one annoyed me because he had other options, but instead he like basically allowed himself to die to save his children. And it's like, you could have saved your children without dying. They have no eyes. You could have thrown an object in another direction and then just told them to get out quietly. Like you had choices. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it just, it felt very martyry to me. Like it felt like it was like this dad is, will do anything for his children, including make the ultimate sacrifice. And he's like the epitome of a man. And it's like, yeah. it was very like, it was a very simple choice. It didn't feel like they dug deep in that ending to me when they had obvious alternatives as characters. Yeah. And I mean like, and then like my version of that, like, similar to this one that I really loved was, um, which was a very controversial ending, um, The Mist. I loved The Mist with um, um, 2007, and it has Thomas Jane in it, and he is spectacular. Um, no, I mean, there were problems with that movie. Like, the CGI is not great because it came out in 2007. Oh, yeah. Like, it's kind of shitty looking. But overall, like, that ending alone is so heartbreaking. Like, it's... Oh, my God. That movie was devastating to me. There's something in Donnie Darko. There's something so strange, too, of Patrick Swayze being in it. Just, like, knowing his career. And this is one of his last, like, big movies. And, like, the character he's playing in it. And, like, how it relates to the themes of this movie. It's just... It's just interesting. Definitely, I loved seeing uh, Beth Grant playing Kitty uh, Farmer the 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 conservative religious teacher i thought like i definitely that's something going back to this that i really really liked but some of the other stuff it's like eh. <laughs> you know i still love it but yeah again it's you know, it's, it's one it's of those movies that teenagers. like yeah 100 it's it's not like if this was our first watch through i think both of us would be having a very different reaction you know like we would both be just like ridiculing it and not like maybe understanding why it has such a cult following, but expressing our alternative viewpoints. But because we both saw it when we were young. Yeah, I think it would it'd feel very outdated too at this point. It's just yeah. like we, we've seen so many movies that build on these themes. Things. But you know what's a funny thing? And I wonder, you know, how. To, but it's like a lot of my favorite movies from around when I was like 20-ish, like they've really that list has stayed similar now. Like, I think once you're around between 16 to 21, like, that set of stuff you like really settles. And it's really hard to, like, find new stuff and really, really believe in it in the same way. Do you way. mean, like, genre and theme-wise? Or do you mean just, like, the specific piece of media itself? Just, like, when I when I list in my head, like, my favorite pieces of media, like, a lot of them come from that period. Interesting. Um, because that's when they were very effective to me so even though now i i rate a lot of movies much higher um they don't affect me oh the i same see way, i see right? they don't leave a lasting impact yeah because it's like you've either already seen it or you're just sort of objectively saying this is quite good right i see what you mean but you know our 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 minds and our lives are to some degree settled at this point and so we don't feel as need of this digging for uh media to tell us like what to do in our lives i will say like just from the intensity of emotion I felt during it, Midsummer is a lasting impact for me. That was a really fucking cool movie. Yeah, it was. It was visually stunning. It was genuinely interesting. And it was so, like, it, it gave me such a feeling of intensity um, that, like, it's just, it's lasting to me. You know which movie I'm going to mention as my big impact movie? Oh, Call Me By Your Name? Call Me By Your Name. I mean, that's, that's fair, though, because there hasn't... 
there there genuinely is not enough portrayal of relationships other than heterosexual ones in media still and like well yeah and, and that was a you know Brokeback Mountain is the other big call to that and but it's a very specific and dark story in in Brokeback Mountain I did love and, it, and a story that you know I don't connect to very much because you know I'm not from this hyper repressed south and cowboy culture and all this stuff I don't think they're even in the south I think they're in like Nebraska oh sure yeah but when it comes to Call Me By Your Name, right, it's it's insane how many things come together to, like, make a movie just for me. Like, <laughs> it's it's just wild. Like, it's literal, like, professors of, like, a professor of classics and, uh, you know, a, a kid who's reading, you know, Italian and German and French. And just, like, it's just so ridiculously in my world and just so aesthetically beautiful and both joyous and tragic. Pretentious intellectuals be pretentious while being white. <laughs> and it even has you know my favorite thing a controversy at the end or not at the end that, that a controversy that surrounds the movie <laughs> with the ages of the characters um, um yeah yeah so that's that's the vibe that's the stuff we talk about well do you want to rate the experience we usually rate our movies but we've seen this before so it's like tougher yeah we've seen this before but sure well yeah so what do you how do you feel on a revisit? I think I have a rating in mind. I it's t- it's so tough for me because like as a preteen and teenager watching it, I mean, I would have given it five stars across the board because it was so impactful yep, to me at that age. Now rewatching it, like if I had to be more critical about it, I would maybe say like a three. I think is like a fair rating. I'm based in the on same like boat. The writing the character development, um, but it's just so interesting conceptually. I do think it's important what, yeah, I, it's very important what age you are. I think this is still very much worth watching as, like, if you're a teenager, a little bit over teenager years, um, but it's going to feel outdated, right? It's not going to feel like the right era. Um, yeah. So you're going to be, have to be aware of that. But a lot of a lot of shows, like, um, if you like Stranger Things or... Yeah, I mean, um, I think there's such an 80s, 90s throwback right now that I'm not so worried about the era being off-putting to people. Because I just don't think it. I don't think that matters right now. I think nostalgia is in, so I think that kind of is irrelevant. But I do think if you're outside of that sort of like preteen, teen, maybe early young adult kind of age range, it's not going to be as impactful of an experience for you. I think the the ratings, you know, it, especially on rewatches like this, it isn't so much about an objective number or anything like that, but it's about the kind of um constellation of connections and feelings and stuff that we're having we think other people might have or how it connects up to you know certain acting acting careers influences themes and yeah like those things can be interesting and important especially for both of us like this movie is such a touchstone for sure that um that's what's important about it not so much giving some kind of uh grandiose this in the history of cinema this is where it lands sort of thing. I think it's cool going back and watching such an early film in Jake Gyllenhaal's career too. Cause like he's kind of a weird actor where like he did, he did like really strange movies when he was a really young actor, like Johnny Darko, like bubble boy. Like he did like weird. Oh my God. Bubble boy. Yeah. But like, that was like, that was another cult classic. It was huge when we were teenagers Mm -hmm. and it's like a weird fucking movie. Like it's super weird movie. 
And then, like, right around the middle of his career, he started making movies that were just, like, critically or cinematically popular. And there's nothing wrong with that. But now that he's a little older, he's gotten back to doing, like, really weird experimental-type movies. And, like, you can kind of see which version is, like, the authentic version of, like, the type of films he wants to be working on versus, like, the type of films maybe he felt he should be working on. So I think that's kind of interesting, too. Yeah. If um, if our next episode is uh, on... Well, our next if if it is one the one I think we're gonna add and put up, um, we have also have all these opinions about Ron Pattinson's career as well, which is very strange. What a nice little like, you know, kind of like a little hint to what the episode's gonna be about. I wonder what people will think. What movie they'll think it'll <sighs> we're be? We're watching. Yeah, the next four will all be five. Will all be Twilight. Twilight movies. Yeah, it's all Twilight. Oh God, there's that many Twilight movies um they're fun though no they're not they're terrible okay they're terrible they're so bad i worked at a i had worked in a movie theater when those movies started coming out and it was brutal it was so rough Mm. and like i never minded when it was like 13 14 year old girls because i'm like well yeah i mean these books were written for you but then you'd have these insane rabid angry fans that were like 40 year old women i'm like girl (laughs) <laughs> this is not appropriate behavior. But yeah, you should watch Enemy, though. If you okay. like Jake Gyllenhaal and his weird movies. It's very strange. For sure. I like that suggestion. 